0: You can't, can't censor, censor us. us. This is Uncensored Parenting. Talking about the shit no one else will. You've got questions. We've got, well, we've got perspectives. Coming up on today's show is Hunter Clark-Fields. She's a mindful mentor and the creator of Mindful Mama podcast, as well as the Mindful Parent course, and a parent. In this episode, we discuss the topic of parenting. Hunter teaches us about mindful parenting and the power in calming our own reactivity. The three R's recognize, remove and reuse how to replace limiting beliefs with empowering beliefs and simple strategies you can use when you're upset. And of course, you don't want to miss Hunter's best parenting advice. Welcome to Uncensored Parenting. Hello, everyone. On today's show, we have Hunter Clark-Fields, who is the Mindful Mama Mentor and the creator of the Mindful Parenting course and a host of the Mindful Mama podcast. She is also the author of Raising Good Humans, A Mindful Guide to Breaking the Cycle of Reactive Parenting and Raising Kind, Confident Kids. She supports parents to bring more calm and peace into their daily lives. Welcome, Hunter, and thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So,
0: you know, when I really read your, like, when I was reading your stuff, it really resonated with me. Um, And I can relate to the challenges of that firstborn child, um, which was really um, so validating as I was reading it, because I was like, oh, yeah, I understand exactly how that feels. So will you tell us a little bit about how you got on this journey of Mindful Parenting?
1: Sure. Yeah. I, I, the truth is that I did not get into it because I was good at it or naturally gifted or great with little kids. None of that. No, I like got into this because I just needed it desperately. Um, I, you know, I when my daughter was not even two years old, my temper came out. And it's like amazing to kind of look back at these pictures and see how cute she was and and to realize like how angry I could get so quickly. And it was um it was a really hard time for me because I wasn't being the parent I wanted to be. I was, you know, I remember just like crying and feeling ashamed that I'd scared her again with my temper. And just realizing that, you know, as try as I might, like, as for all the like good advice I could I was listening to parenting coaches would say kind of respond this way. It all went out the window when I got stressed and I and my sort of temper came out. So I realized like that it was all as good as useless. And that so I started to kind of go in and to understand my reactivity when I realized that there's this whole piece of the parenting conversation that wasn't happening that what you know that resided more in the studies I'd done in, in mindfulness where, you know, when, you know, when we're losing it or when we're reactive or stressed, if we're not taking care of ourselves, even we're not getting enough sleep, all that stuff, we, we lose access to our, that logical, empathetic, problem-solving part of our brain we literally like the the stress response bypasses it when we're when we're in a reactive state so we can't access it so it's like is it's useless to be learning like oh respond this way until you're taking care of your reactivity and the and the other thing about the reactivity that i uh, really started to truly understand is that you know, I felt so bad. We feel so guilty. We don't want to yell at our kids like no one wants to. No one chooses to. We don't wake up in the morning and decide like, oh, I think I'm going to lose it at Maggie. At no, you know, no one does that. right? No one's making his conscious choice. And so it's important to understand that it's not really our fault. It's not our fault, right? Like we're wired we're just wired with this nervous system that is reactive, right? To, to keep us alive. Like this is our, it's our evolutionary biology. And so that's not our fault. It wasn't like something I chose, but it is, it is something that is our responsibility, right? So it's not, you know, it, it we don't have to be shaming and blaming ourselves, but it is something we do have to take responsibility for. And then we can take steps to alleviate. So, that's really like where all this work came from, where I was like, okay, I want to be this parent and I would, you know, listen to coaches and things like that. I'd be like, but how, how do you do this thing? How do you just respond this way? And so that's like where all of my work comes from. Like, how, how do you do it? And so that's, that's the question I was trying to answer again and again.
0: Awesome. So with that in mind, what is mindful parenting?
1: Well, mindful parenting is really about taking sort of the the tools of mindfulness to calm our reactivity. And there's a bunch of different tools that mindfulness has, like uh, to be able to sort of, you know, there's a psychologist and Holocaust survivor, Victor Frankl. He has that famous quote between stimulus and response. There is a space. And in that space lies our freedom to choose. Right. It's something like that. And and it That's what we really, really need as parents is this ability to to choose how we want to respond. So mindful parenting brings together mindfulness to calm our reactivity, self-compassion, compassion and then skillful communication, because, you know, you need all these you need these three things like you know, communication without the mindfulness and compassion work is not enough because it just like you, you, it all goes out the window and we don't have that foundation. Likewise, like there were people that were teaching, you know, what they called mindful parenting at the time that was really just mindfulness for parents, which kind of assumes like, oh, if you can just calm down, then everything you say after that will be fine. And I, personally discovered that you could calm yourself down and still have something unskillful that your parents may have said to you when you were a little yep. come out of your mouth so it needed to like bring together those mindfulness compassion pieces with the communication pieces so not only you know how to calm ourselves and do our inner work to you know uncover our triggers and things like that but also then what to say so that we can parent without kind of resorting to old school unskillful methods of like, you know, threats and punishments and things like that. So I'm hearing you say that there's a space in between the stimulus and the reaction. And for me, I feel like that space is very small. So as parents, like, how do we learn to not lose it when we're triggered or when we're stimulated that way into a reaction? Well, you really have to kind of work on it in two fronts, which is the long-term front and then the in the moment in that difficult moment front and really the long term is really important because I mean I I honestly think like the number one best thing you could do to stop yelling at your kids is to just reduce your overall stress you know just to have like regular sleep regular exercise time with supportive family and friends not have a crazy schedule you know as best you can and this is course really hard for so many reasons including reasons that are beyond our control you know that have to do with our society and structures and things like that but the long term you know in the long term goals to reduce our reactivity in the long term we want to reduce our overall stress um And then consider a mindfulness practice because mindfulness like kind of builds that pause muscle. I mean, it really does like it. It actually changes your brain, you know, and I know this from myself and like parents that I've worked with, but also like there are MRI studies that show that it actually shrinks the um, amygdala, which is the center of that fight, flight, or freeze, stress response, actually makes it stronger, uh, less, less, less strong, and shrinks it after about eight weeks of practice and actually grows more dense to the prefrontal cortex, which is, you know, that logical, thoughtful uh, impulse control <laughs> part of the brain. So that really helps a lot. And then in the long term, it really, really helps a lot to understand what is triggering us, right? Like there are stressors. And then there are triggers and our triggers may be the things like um, like we had on my I had a mindful parenting member, Sam, who got totally incensed when her two year old spilled juice. And it's just normal toddler behavior. Right. Like we should pretty much expect that. But she had this outsized reaction to it. And so she did this work to kind of to understand her beliefs, her upbringing how she was raised. And so in doing that, she realized that this emphasis on perfectionism and appearance when she was little made it like when there was a mess in her house, it made it this big thing for her. And it really was her baggage, right? So we have to kind of, mindfulness is about taking, um, in a lot of ways, a step back, like stepping back ourselves and our reactivity, but also stepping back and building our awareness, of ourselves, you know, in historically and in the moment, and kind of making those connections. So, all of those are important in the long term. The the stress, overall stress, mindfulness, and triggers, and then you get into the short term, and then there are tools you can use to to really calm that stress response in the short term as well. So,
0: I heard you say a little bit about that fight, flight, and freeze. Like, how can will you talk a little bit about how that impacts our parenting?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's the stress response, right? When we're losing it, fight, flight, or freeze your nervous system, seeing your child as a threat, right? So it's not anything that's in our control. It's it's biology. It's just like the whole proverbial saber tooth tiger, right? (laughs) That You're seeing. And so in the, and then it cuts off access, like it's, it cuts off access to the slower parts of the brain, which are, which include the prefrontal cortex, which is where that, sl- you know, problem solving, rational, thoughtful part of the brain is. That's where we need to parent from if we want to parent consciously and effectively. And so, um, so in those stressful moments, you know, we have to like prioritizing us reducing our reactivity has to be the priority. A lot of times, as parents, we go into a situation with our kids and we we want to blame others, right? That's just natural. That's just what the brain wants to do. You know, if if you would stop yelling, I would feel better, right? <laughs> or if you would just put on your shoes like I told you you do ten minutes ago. I would be fine. But we are the adults. <laughs> We are the ones with the fully developed brains, like they have even less access to prefrontal cortex than we do. Um, and we are the ones who have to model, right? We know that the best parenting is in modeling. We know that our kids are terrible at doing what we say, but great at doing what we do, right? So we know that it's on us to calm ourselves down and to model how to calm down ourselves. And then we'll have access to our whole brain and we'll be able to think more clearly things like, I wonder what's going on with him right now. I wonder what she's really needing. You know, what can I do to, to make the, how can I be funny? Right. How can I choose one of those funny responses? Right. So we have to calm our stress response. And for me, I, I, I teach about the, you have to do the three R's, uh, recognize that you're triggered, remove yourself if you can, and you know if your child is safe, and you you need to, and then um, and then re- use your resources, right? So so the first step, the hardest step, the most important step is to recognize it, right? Because we want to be like, oh no, Hunter said to be calm with our kids, so I'm gonna be calm. I'm calm. I'm calm. I'm calm. Oh, I'm losing it, right? We <laughs> just like pretend, and that just doesn't work doesn't work. So we have to, you know, and this is what the research shows. We have to recognize that we're triggered. And this is what Dr. Jan Siegel calls name it to tame it. Cause actually just saying to yourself or saying it out loud, like I'm starting to feel really frustrated. I feel like I'm about to yell right now. That's great. Like that's a huge win to do that. Cause you've just, then you've interrupted that autopilot cascade of reactions um, and even better, you know, if you do it out loud, because then you're modeling for your kids healthy emotional intelligence, right? And and just saying that, just recognizing what's happening, provides a lot of relief. Provides a lot. Of, it takes the temperature down. And then step two is like remove yourself if you're able. And and this is like, you know, we we know a lot of kids maybe. You know, a kid in a tantrum, you may not want to leave them. They may need help regulating. And that is great advice if you can. And there will be a lot of times you're human, and you are just kind of like, lose your brain if you don't if you stay in that room with that tantruming child. You know, I remember when my daughter was two, my second daughter, and just losing it, and I could feel myself getting overwhelmed. so i I put her in her crib. And then I walked out of her room and then I walked into my room and then I walked out onto my balcony <laughs> to breathe and she was safe and I wasn't going to lose it. Right. So I, and you know, that taking a step away, if you need to, is totally, is much better than screaming at your kid. Right. And we have to be practical about these things and then the resources, then you want to just use all the resources you can to calm that stress response And the breath is cliche because it works, right? As soon as you do a longer exhale than you do inhale, you're forcing the body into the opposite of the stress response because each inhale and exhale is like a mini inhale, mini stress response, exhale, mini rest and relax response. So if you you can hack that to exhale longer, then you'll force your body to calm down. There's other tools I teach... um, calm down mantras like you say to yourself this is not an emergency right you tell your nervous system directly that it's okay you don't have to freak out right we're safe um you can say to yourself i'm helping my child shifting yourself into that role of nurturer again or even um sometimes i teach uh, when they yell i get calmer (laughs) which is (laughs) The added bonus of being a little funny and and the more we can lighten up as parents, like the better we are. So we want to always prioritize, you know, just recognizing, oh, I'm losing it. Oh, I'm feeling frustrated. And I need to take care of that. Right. Taking care of ourselves is really the foundation to being a thoughtful parent, a compassionate parent, a, a skillful parent. Right. It is always the foundation and like 99% of the time, you don't have to like respond right away. Like we think we have to just be like, I have to say something right now. And usually we don't, you know, we can take a beat, we can breathe, we can say, okay, let me, let me use my brain. Let me think about this for a minute. So I feel like there's a lot of power in that piece there of just pausing in general with everything, but like, obviously in reacting and all of that, but like just taking a second to actually, I don't have to respond right away, like to any situation. (laughs) Yeah, it's powerful. And in fact, that's something we can practice. Like even in non difficult moments, like Mm -hmm. you, you know, dear listener, like you could take next week and say, okay, I'm going to practice taking a breath before I respond to my kid even if they're just, like, asking what's for dinner. And then you're training your brain to this sort of new response. Mm-hmm. And that that can be a huge shift.
0: I, I was reading some of the work that you um, have shared and created, and I hear a lot about meditation. Like, why do you suggest this tool for parents?
1: I mean, I think it's so powerful. You know, it it really has can have a, you know, there are many different studies that show the impact and it has like Mm -hmm. zero side effects and it's free. I mean, it's just like, so (laughs) it's, it's like the benefits are huge as far as like, I mean, parenting is a huge motivator, but really everything in your life. So what meditation, mindfulness meditation is about, you know, bringing our attention to the present moment with an attitude of, Uh, kindness and curiosity and that's different from the way we are in everyday life normally because our attention is often not in the present moments in the future a lot right um sometimes in the past and we're often in that you know we often have an attitude of you know it's natural for us to have judgment and things like that um but so then when we practice coming into the moment and being curious and seeing things clearly, like, what's really happening with me? Okay, I'm feeling tightness in my chest. Um, you know, what's what's really happening with my child? Oh, yeah, they haven't eaten in four hours. or, you know, we we mindfulness gives us this, helps us to see more clearly. It's like cleaning the lens, um, and s- some glasses that got fogged up, but we don't even realize they got fogged up until then we start, a mindfulness practice, and say, "Oh, <laughs> I'm I'm starting to see clearly." And sometimes, as people practice, they, you know, you, it's a sort of weird thing too, like where you can do. It's I kind of think of it as like exercise, right? It's like later, like in fifty years, we're all going to be practicing and think it's normal. Like now that we all think we have to take care of our bodies, we're going to say the same thing about our minds because it's just like exercise in that like a little bit can have a big impact. Like if you're sedentary and you do walk for five minutes every day, that's going to make a huge difference, right? Yeah. If you walk for 20 minutes a day, it's maybe better, (laughs) but you can do five minutes a day and that will make a big impact on your life. And that's the same is true for mindfulness that a little bit of practice of stopping of bringing your attention back deliberately to the present moment with kindness, with curiosity it builds a, a muscle of being more aware of being able to pause and in fact in kind of in a weird way it gives us time like people feel like it's another thing to do but it kind of gives us time because then we're more focused in everything we do like and we just can do things more you know without getting as distracted as we we did previously um and i i guarantee if you have you have five minutes to spend on social media. I'm sure you do.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: So so you could you could spend five minutes doing a little five minute guided meditation. And it it doesn't have to be hard. And really it should be as easy and simple as possible. Something that just can fit into your life as easy as possible.
0: I I know for me something that has been frustrating as a parent is like when I um you know, as my kids get older, it's like I ask them to do something or I'm talking to them and like, they're just not listening to me. (laughs) And I'm like, hello, like, did you hear me? Um, Why do you suppose that kids end up not like there's that time in their life where they, they seem to listen less to their parents?
1: Well, it really depends on what's happening. A lot of times with parents and kids, a lot of times we parents talk a lot. And we yeah. become kind of like the Charlie Brown, like, wah, 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 you know, like that muffled yeah. trumpet. And so kids tend to tune us out. Sometimes as parents, we're using unskillful communication means like we may a lot of us when our kids are little, especially like toddlers. Right. A toddler gets ordered around all day long, put on your shoes, take off your shoes, get into your car seat, buckle your seat, pull your pants up, take your pants down, (laughs) eat this, come here, go there, right? So they're being barked orders all day long. We don't even realize that this is just like the way most of us talk to toddlers. And so nobody likes to be ordered and (laughs) told what to do all day. So kids start to resent that and stop listening to that because just doesn't matter how old you are. No one likes to be ordered around all day. Um, So that could be a thing where our kids stop listening to us. Um, And also, like, there's some things like we um, sometimes we have trouble listening to them. Right. We have trouble stopping. We have trouble putting down our phones, stopping our work when they have something to say to us. Like they often have a lot to say to us when they're little and we have Trouble to it's hard to be present. We're you know, we practice like just getting the next thing done on the to do list. Our lives are so busy, we're going, we're going, we're going, we're going, and so it can be hard to stop and listen. And so, they may we inadvertently may be modeling not listening. That's mm-hmm. also something that can happen. So, there's a whole bunch of reasons why kids may or may not be listening like if somebody brings this question up in mindful parenting membership I will dig into like hey what's happening um in that situation and what is it you're asking and what is the pattern and things like that
0: so just a few more questions um, mm-hmm. what what do you feel is the most important thing about parenting like for you at least especially around mindful parenting what do you feel like is the most important thing
1: I mean, I think that it's about, um, clear seeing that piece about clear seeing and seeing our kids, um, not as a certain age or a certain role or certain abilities or, or likes and dislikes, but just trying to be curious, bring that attitude of curiosity to who they are now. And that attitude of, um, of really being present as much as we can. And I'm not saying like we're going to be present hundred percent of the time. That's not true. Like if we can go for like 30 or 40%, like that's amazing. You know, that's great. <laughs> but the idea of just um, bringing this attitude of curiosity of like, who are you right now? Can I re- remember this attitude of wonder? Like, Oh wow. You're this whole human being. You are not, you know, these traits I've distilled as you are the smart one in school or you're the athletic one or things like that. You're, you know, who are you right now? You're like a river that is, you can't step into twice. So their kids are constantly changing and growing. And so this idea that we can be curious about who our kids are and also be curious about who we ourselves are like, are we're constantly growing and changing. Our needs are changing. Can we be authentic Um, can we, um, relax enough to be not only curious about our kids, but also curious about ourselves. And that allows us to be a little more playful and enjoy them. And, and I think that idea of, I guess I'm saying a couple different things, maybe not the most important thing, but the idea of slowing down and just seeing things clearly and seeing how important this day is so clearly. and, And this, this week is, and just, letting yourself settle into the, um, the preciousness of that in some ways, you know?
0: Okay. So this leads beautifully and you kind of answered this, but what is that one piece of advice? If you could hand parents like this best advice you could give them, what would it be?
1: Well, I guess I would say I would encourage them to practice self-compassion. I would encourage them to, um, to know that they can't be perfect, right? There's all so much pressure put on us as parents and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and, you know, we know how the impact of these early years and the truth is like, you know, we're going to mess up. We're going to be human. We're going to yell sometimes. Like, and when it's, I think in a lot of ways, practicing self-compassion is really practical because (laughs) we're going to mess up. We're going to be human. And if you are like, I'm a terrible person and you're wallowing in like feeling terrible about yourself for hours and hours because you messed up and you just start hard on yourself. A, you're going to pass that on to your kids and B, you're not going to be able to be curious and present and interested as a parent, like while you're like feeling so terrible about yourself and you're not going to be able to pick yourself up and start again and begin anew again. But if you can be a friend to yourself and you can practice this, right? You can say, "Ah, oh, this is parent, this parenting stuff is so hard. <laughs> you know, we get so, you know, triggered by our kids. No one does it perfect. Hunter doesn't do it perfect. Sarah and Jeff don't do it perfectly. Like it, if we can say like, this is really hard. I'm just gonna, you know, try again and it's okay. I'm gonna say my kid, Hey, I'm sorry. I, Screamed at you. I really wish I hadn't. Can we have a hug? Can we start again? You know, if we can give ourselves some compassion, then we're able. It's very practical. So then we're able to give ourselves a soft landing. We can get up and begin a new again more quickly and easily. So I think honestly, self-compassion is an incredible foundation because no matter what you try, if you try a mindfulness practice. You know, if you you do some skillful communication practices that, you know, that I teach in Mindful Parenting or in Raising Good Humans or whatever, like you try this stuff and you tell it and you, you know, you're inevitably human and mess up, you got to be able to pick yourself up again and try again because, you know, that's what it's all about. We have to begin anew in each day, each moment, right? It's always a chance to begin anew. Absolutely.
0: Wonderful. Okay. If people are interested in your work or getting in contact with you, where can they find you online?
1: Sure. Um, They can listen to the Mindful Mama podcast. Um, has been running for years and years. And the Raising Good Humans book, you can listen to it on audiobook and it's anywhere books are sold. And everything that I do is found at mindfulmamamentor.com.
0: Wonderful. Hunter, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for
0: listening to Uncensored Parenting. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Uncensored Parenting Podcast. We're out. out. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Electric
1: our inherent magic.
0: Electric acid.